I'm Terry Taylor, and this is the Interior Design Business Academy podcast. As an interior designer, you may be thinking, I love what I do, but I am so overworked and underpaid. Let me tell you, I've been there too. I spent many years learning from my own mistakes and developing proven strategies and systems to make interior design a profitable career while keeping it fun and creative. So now I'm here to help you get paid what you're worth. If you're ready for some straight talk about how design business really works and you're ready to break through old belief systems that are holding you back and shift into beliefs that support your goals and bring lasting success, you are in the right place. So what do you do when you get into a design job and you discover that you don't want to put your name on it? because the client's taste is so bad. It could be so bad that you don't even want to do it or you even can't do it. What do you do then? You know, we've had some of these come up, so let's talk about this. You don't have to be in design for long to have one of these situations come up, okay? It is the nature of people and the nature of what we do to have a little bump or clash in this area. So think about this. You've presented a beautiful design. It's a living room that you're contracted to buy. You've got a letter of agreement. You're putting this thing together. You present it. It's absolutely beautiful. But the clients don't really like any individual piece. They just start taking it apart and going shopping on this piece or that piece. It's, oh, I'd rather have that. Or I would really like that, and that sort of thing. And you discover that in this whole thing that they're, they're likely not going to buy anything that they don't pick out. And what they are picking out is so bad that you can't put it together and make anything happen with it, right? Anything that you put your name on at least, right? What do you do? Another one recently was a kitchen refresh. Okay. And, you know, so we're talking about cabinets and a, in this case, a whole lot of solid surface countertop and backsplash. Full deal, right? A, expensive investment there. And, you know, cabinets need to get redone. And, you know, appliances, plumbing, lighting, redid the floor, that sort of thing. Well, they they did much of it, including all the very expensive countertops and black splashes, but refused to do anything with the cabinets. And the result of that is something more like lipstick on a pig, to use my expression. It's something that we really don't want to do and really don't want to have your name on it. What do you do with people like that? Well, let me share a couple of stories about what happened to me and my path through design in this particular area. Very early in my career, and I was probably 25, maybe, yeah, 25, 26, something like that. I had my very first studio. I had a bricks and mortar studio. I had no idea what I'm doing, (laughs) way too young, but sometimes boldness has genius, so it did work out all right. But, but So I've got this studio, I've got this big responsibility, now I have employees and an overhead and all this stuff going on, and this little job is just upholstering two chairs. However, I would really like to close this job because I need the money, right? You've been there, you know what that is. Okay. So I'm showing this woman fabrics, and we're trying to get these chairs done, and there's just nothing that she likes. Okay. And the stuff that she puts out is absolutely awful in her room. Okay. I know it's awful. She's pushing me. I'm pretty young. So I'm not really good at pushing back at older people yet. (laughs) You know, so I finally agree to do it her way. 
okay? And we do the job. I get paid, right? She, I, I get the money. I make the bills. We're all good there. However, about six weeks later, not one, but two different people say to me, oh, I was in so-and-so's house and saw those chairs you did. Really? Did you do that? And I thought, oh, oh, I've made a horrible mistake. I should have never, never done that, okay? And I thought, okay, never again. I will never, ever cross that line again. A couple of years later, I got into a similar situation, actually, similar kind of thing about fabrics and had this, this older woman that was pushing back at me and, you know, nothing that I chose for her space did she like. And the stuff that she wanted, her cows, was absolutely awful. And she kept pushing and pushing. And over, this is a period of weeks, you know, you keep trying, you keep something else. Here, look at this, look at that. This was before I had, I had great contracts and, and figured all this stuff out, right? I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to please her and sell the job, quite frankly. And nothing is going to please her. And I'm reminded of the being in that place the time before. And that was not a good place to be. So, you know, in desperation, I finally said to her, if that's what you want, okay, fine, fine. All right. I will give you the, the vendor. I'll give you the stock numbers. You go to the upholster and you get it done because I cannot do this for you. I cannot put my name on this. And I thought that was a bit of a scary <laughs> big stand to take, but I did it because I didn't want to get caught in what happened before. And you know what she said to me? She said, oh, why didn't you tell me? I thought, oh no. Oh no. What was going on? Is she not listening? Is she not focused? She just wants to play with a decorator? I don't know. I don't know what was going on. But she totally backed down. We did it the way it was supposed to be done. They came out fine and it was over with. But that was a big stepping point for me to actually face a client down and say, no, I cannot do that for you. I cannot put my name on that. Okay. And my way of getting out of it was to, you know, say, you want to do it you do it, but it's without me. And that was enough of a shock to her finally that she was listening to what I was saying. So, you, you know, you, you, you've got to stand the line here. You've, you've got to, you have to, right? So let's talk about solutions here. What are the solutions to these dilemmas? Because if you've been into this more of a year or two, you've had people do this to you. And, it, and it's really a dilemma. It's really confusing as to you know, how to handle these people because they're so determined and so pushy to have their own way, yet they've hired you to help them not make a mess, right? Yet, the, uh, you know, they're going to create a mess. It's pretty clear. All right, so let's talk about some solutions, okay? Let's talk about that first living room job where nothing, no, none of the pieces are what they wanted. And, and, and a client like that, sometimes you have to understand that people hire you to do this, but the reality is, they could never buy something they didn't pick out, okay? It just happens. There's just kind of a psychological thing there. And when you recognize that, you know, you need to stop beating your head on the wall and, and acknowledge it and going, this is the way this is going to go, all right? In these days, if your letter of agreement is written correctly, the way I teach my designer students to do it, you could actually just provide three good selections for everything in that room, and then you have fulfilled all of the all of the deliverables in your contract. You can actually say, "I'm done." You know, it doesn't say in the contract there that that you have to find things to please these people. Okay, you just need to provide good solutions, three good choices. So, you know, with with that stance, I mean, you can literally just close out your contract and saying, "Well, 
I have I have done all the things that I needed to do in my contract, and I'm I'm sorry that you don't agree with my professional opinion about where you should go with these things. And and good luck with your project. Okay, you can literally just sign yourself out of it, realizing very early on that you're not going to sell the furniture on this. This isn't going to come to fruition. It isn't going to be something you photograph or you know that that goes anywhere. It just is what it is, and you do the best you can for those people without without hurting yourself, without giving yourself away, or or falling out of your boundaries, falling out of your shape, because it, it is not your responsibility to go on and on and on and on and on until you finally please them. And and it probably wouldn't even happen, right? It just it just makes you crazy and and them crazy. So so having good boundaries in place to start with in a job is great because you could use those boundaries in the contract to actually point out that you've you've delivered all your deliverables and we're done. Okay. In in the kitchen job, you could include in your purchase proposal in that this got pretty far along before we discovered that we're just going to bail out of doing anything with those horrible beat-up cabinets that were underneath all the very expensive new countertop and backsplash material. You know, you really hate to see that happen. That's the lipstick on the pig thing. And it's like, oh, I hate doing that. I absolutely hate doing that. But sometimes you're caught in the sequence and you don't get really can't do anything about it. What would my recommendation would be is that you could put in uh, in your purchase proposal primarily would be a good spot to put it that the client has declined refinishing or repainting or resurfacing these cabinets uh, against your recommendation okay so that it doesn't bounce back on you at some point going oh why didn't you tell us or we should have done this or the you know the neighbors came in and say wow your countertops everything's fabulous but what about your cabinets you know, you don't want to get caught on the bad side of that. So if you disclaim and they're essentially signing off on it, and that's why I put it in a purchase proposal so you don't have to do a separate agreement that says I'm not doing it, but you could do that. I mean, you could do that. I, I am reminded of of going to the dentist and refusing some offer and I had to sign the fact, sign off the fact that I had refused it. <laughs> it's, it's to make them realize what they're doing and and cover you in your side, okay? So that would be a way of of doing that. And then acknowledging to yourself that this is nothing that's ever going to publish or be photographed or anything. I mean, it's it's a mess, and I'm sorry I got into this, but I did the best I can, right? So that would be that scenario. And then the third way you could handle it is just is to just back out and say, I can't do this for you. Okay. I would love to help you, but I cannot do it under these terms. Okay. I will be happy to find somebody who can do this for you. In the case of the living room job, you could back out of that. You could close it off at the amount of time you've done. So you're covered on your time and give back the rest of it and give the job back. You could. Or you could say, I can find somebody to do this for you in the case of my lady in the upholstery and saying, well, you know, if you want to do this, you can go do it. Here's the materials to do it. I can't do this for you because it's not it's not something that I approve of or that that in my design consulting, which is very, very important to me, it is not, I just can't put something like that out that would have my name on it because it's not right, okay? Just can't be me. And I think when you have these conversations with people, you get a little squarer on what's really going on because they don't understand that they have terrible taste 
They think they're wonderful, you know, and, and bless them. You know, that's okay. But you, you've got to have a way to save yourself out of this so you don't get in situations where, where you're doing something that you, you aesthetically know that you can't be doing. The moral of the story here is that you must hold a really high bar for your design aesthetic. You can't be such a people pleaser that you do everything everybody wants you to do, okay? That's not why they're hiring you, and that's not what will build a design practice for you and build a name and build a body of work that you're proud of, okay? So, you know, while we are all people pleasers, that's part of why we're good at this, That's a, this is a spot where the people pleasing doesn't serve you or serve your client well at all, and you really need to step in and, and just cut it off. You let, you gotta let your clients know that on your jobs that, that you're on it and it's your aesthetic that, that they're hiring and your ability to know what's right and do what's right. And, and if they don't want to follow it, that's okay. But you need to stand your ground. You need to hold your shape, as we say here in IDBA. <laughs> we have a lot about this is how I work and this is the way it goes. Okay. And when you can do that clearly and succinctly and just stand on your boundaries, and it's not, it's not angry, and it's not mean, and it's not anything like that. It's just standing your ground, doing this is where I stand, and I stand behind my work and my aesthetic, and that's really, really important to me and to you. I know because that is that is who we are and what we stand for. Okay. So if you like this kind of support and this kind of straight talk about design business and what happens and how it works and how to resolve. The, the challenges that we stumble up against us, check us out in interiordesignbusinessacademy.com. You'll find a lot of information there that can be very supportive and you might even want to talk to us. So until next time, design something beautiful and get paid what you're worth. Bye now. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Interior Design Business Podcast. If you love what you're learning, head over to interiordesignbusinessacademy.com and book a clarity call. This is the perfect way to chat with one of our coaches about where you are in your business and what your next best step needs to be to make your design business profitable and enjoyable. As always, you can head over to interiordesignbusinessacademy.com to check out the links and resources from this episode. So until next week, design something beautiful and get paid what you're worth.